Hey listeners, Chloe here. If you need to stay as up-to-date with the latest developments and innovations in the luxury industry as I do, you need to dive into Vogue Business. It's your ticket to a global perspective on fashion and beauty, delivering exclusive insights that will give you the edge in this competitive, dynamic industry. Just visit VogueBusiness.com today and use the code RUN20 at checkout to join the Vogue Business community. That's VogueBusiness.com, promo code RUN20. Don't miss out. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. This podcast is supported by Macy's. Mother's Day is May 12th, and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Shop by price, 25 and under to 100 and under. Category, like fragrances and handbags. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything or for grandma. Macy's has all the hottest gift ideas like Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, Samsung smart TVs, and more. Go to macy's.com slash gift finder to shop. That's macy's.com slash gift finder today. This is The Run Through. I'm Cho Minardi. And I'm Chloe Mal. This week we're bringing you behind the scenes of Vogue, which we often do, but... I have to tell you, there's a, a difference in energy the the few weeks before the Met Gala. People say uh, April showers bring May flowers. Let me tell you, <laughs> April hysteria brings you one very big gala in these quarters. Yep. No and, lies told. Oh, my God. <laughs> and over the next couple of weeks, we are going to be giving you a little uh, some a foray into the Met Madness that yes. is taken over the 25th floor of One World Trade Center. We have two weeks before the Met Gala, and Choma, you had a very special trip to the Met that I would like to just hear a little bit about. Yeah, I did. I went to the Met this past week with a young designer called Claire Sullivan, who is designing a dress for me to wear to the Met, which I'm very excited about. So I'm here in the collections room with the designer Claire Sullivan and Tracy Yoshimura. Um, Claire... Tends to make sort of custom pieces. So I reached out to her and asked if she would be down to to make something, and she was. And Claire, you have picked out several pieces. Describe what you're seeing right now. Okay, well, I am in heaven. (laughs) That's what I'm seeing right now. What I didn't know is that they have and hundreds of thousands of Describe a little pieces. bit what it's like down there, because I've been down there, and it's really cool. Yeah, basically, you can't touch anything. Everything is brought out with gloves. You sort of have to request the looks that you want to see. And Claire requested a couple of Chanel couture looks. We're looking at some really amazing jewelry from Chanel that is wood with gold. And we have a classic black and white ensemble that it pairs with um, the Chanel double locked C logo on V. The tank top is everything. It's ribbed. It's just, yeah. it's beautiful. And it's from 1993. From mm-hmm. She also requested this look, which was really classic Carl, this um, like big tools, 
black skirt with a very simple tank top with the double C logo and yeah. these white and black brogues. And it was just divine. I think Naomi wore them on the runway. Oh, so is Another that going to be the, the inspiration look? I'm not giving it away. Secret, secret. Yes, but there are pearls and chains involved. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm really excited. I've, I've only done this once before, have had a custom dress made. So what was that? That was for camp. Okay. And I wore puppets and puppets, a dress, by pop, a dress and, and, and a little jacket that was kind of Barbie pink before Barbie pink was a thing. You really anticipated that trend. I did, I did. And so it's really fun getting a dress made for you, trying on the twirl, doing the final fitting. I just found out that I will be joining at Cocktails for the Met. Amazing! So I am excited. As you know, I... Um, I love an Erdem look, yeah, so I... I think that's a good moment for I this. I reach out. I'm, I'm sort of like a crow. I like anything shiny. So uh, <laughs> an Erdem sequin moment, I think, is, is the direction I I'm think going. That, that will be a very nice way to honor the dress code. I think that Carl would appreciate that. It's a tough one for me. I'm not deeply steeped in um, the Carlosphere, so the dress code, dress in honor of Carl, is sort of like, okay, I'm familiar with, you know, vague... Chanel tropes, but I, I, it's not like I, I can go. Well, it's deep not just into Chanel. This. I mean, he worked at Fendi. He worked for Patu, Patu, right? and Balmain to sort of look at his oeuvre and think about all of the different kind of aesthetics that encompassed and feelings and styles. I mean, I think people like to look to Chanel, but his his the breadth of his work goes beyond that, you know, as well. What's your favorite thing you've ever worn to the Met? Oh, actually, this is this is this will be the third time I had a custom piece. All right. So last year, my friend James Garland made this really beautiful. Oh, that was amazing dress. It was just like, it was the sexiest thing I've ever worn to the Met, and it had a kind of a matching do rag that was encrusted with crystals. And I'm never one to show my arms, but yeah, you went for it. I went for it, and it felt it felt really felt really great. <laughs> that was my favorite look so far. It was I love that. Yeah, it felt really special. And I've I've worn Molly Goddard. I think people always remember that look cuz it was orange all of my friends do anyway. Not everybody. <laughs> but people I know. Um but yeah, I think the look I wore last year was kind of outside of my comfort zone but made me feel really great. I loved I loved that dress. That might be my favorite so far. I had a couple of Mets uh misses in my outfits. Misses? I've never seen you miss. Uh, one year I wore, I truly look like the villain in Black Swan. <laughs> I wore this an amazing Alberta Ferretti dress, but I was just t- too small a person for it. And uh, it had black, sort of uh, iridescent black wow. fla- uh, feathers just shooting up into my nose, shooting out, <laughs> uh, coming. I mean, it was a really absurd for someone 5'3 to be wearing this dress. And then I one year I wore this Dolce & Gabbana dress that looked like... A pinata exploded rhinestones. <laughs> I loved it. It was like putty-colored lace mm. and then embroidered with just hundreds of crystals of all different colors. Wow. And it was so much fun. And thank God I didn't look at the price tag before. Afterward, I took off the dress and I looked. It was a sample and I looked at the price and it was like $35,000 for this Holy dress. Holy shit. It's, it was crazy. I was like, if I had seen this, I like, mean, that, that, that is, is the that cost expensive? of a Passat. For a dress, Joma, you can get a have car. You been, have you been online shopping lately? $3,000? I mean, Thirty-five? Oh, thirty-five. It was like three thousand. I was like, oh, you can't get a car for three thousand dollars. Five thousand dollars? Yes, thank that's a lot. You. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Thank you. Yeah. What's the? I guess your Molly Goddard was maybe the most risky. Would you? Shall we say? 
Oh, there was one other time that I had a dress made for me for the Comme de Garçon show. Oh, that was a tough dress code. Yeah, and it was like kind of like if Disney a Disney princess dress. Who made it? It was a co-designed. So it was Rafaela Hanley for Lou Dallas and it was also a really legendary costume designer who lives at the Chelsea Hotel. Her name is Niall Simlo. She does all of um, Mariah Carey's looks. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, she's cool. And we did all the fittings at her apartment and she has a crazy collections of bar- of Barbies. And then the day before when we did the final fitting, she made a, a Barbie cake for me. Stop. Yeah. I'm sorry. A cake with like a Barbie or maybe she ordered it. But it was it was epic because it was my dress as a cake. That is fabulous. Yeah, it was it was nuts. That would be more exciting to me than the actual dress. It was. It was really exciting. And I still have I still have that dress. And to be able to just gash my fork into like a dress of frosting. It was cool. And what is everyone at Vogue.com talking about this week? I'm so sick. I just got an email from Vogue.com and right. that's lovely, but I'm right. so sick of quiet luxury. <laughs> I don't know what it means. I don't know why we care. It just sounds like it's a bag without a logo. Where did this come from? Is it just Succession? What's what's I happening? I think Succession has definitely made this a thing. I think basically minimalism has been on the on the rise. People love. I mean, it hasn't gone away. You know, anytime we do any story about minimalist dressing, it, it just really appeals to I think a certain younger Kind of, there's this thing called the clean girl aesthetic too that was on hmm. that was big on TikTok. Okay. So I think there's always been this interest. This interest in minimalism never goes away. I think it's very, you know, for some reason people just really gravitate towards that. Says two people, one in a floral print, one in we, we're the opposite of minimalist. <laughs> yeah. Why it has gathered speed? This whole stealth luxury thing. I think there are two two reasons. Yes, succession. But I think this fascination with Gwyneth Paltrow's uh, wardrobe, the style. the courtroom style, and just how perfectly executed her wardrobe was, and how all of those choices was just—it was the epitome of like stealth wealth. Yeah, I does it have to be expensive? Does it have to be Laura Piano, or can I, it be Everlane? I don't think it can be Everlane. I think that I think it has to be something luxurious. Right? I'm wearing Everlane pants right now, and I feel like <laughs> paired with my Belgian loafers, they can be stealth wealth. <laughs> you know what else I think inspired this? Tar. It's tar dressing. Oh, yeah. Quiet luxury was very about this kind of whispering sense of you know everything being perfectly perfect, but in a very understated way. It's the row. You know, it's good tailoring. Yeah, it's good tailoring. So um, I was hearing from the youth, i.e. our producer, Chelsea, that uh, TikTok was discussing how basically a lot of people at there's split camp at Coachella. There's either people who are like models dressing truly like it could have been 10 years ago in like turquoise big belts and tiny boho shorts and you know, dusters. And then there's uh, Kendall and Haley Bieber in all blacks peddling their various oh entrepreneurial ventures. Like Kendall apparently is there pushing tequila. Haley's there pushing road skincare. Oh but I love this idea of like they're they're the modern Tupperware sales <laughs> women. <laughs> they're just showing up to Coachella <laughs> with their wares. <laughs> yeah, I mean Coachella Street style to me is dead. <laughs> yeah. Um but I do think it's an it's interesting to see, you know, I, I'm more excited to see what people on the stage are wearing. I love this new singer, Ethel Kane. She okay. wore this cheerleader-inspired look that was made for, by Givenchy. Um, and I thought it was really 
it was really a, a good look. And then Bad Bunny wore a cool kind of ERL puffer on stage before he shaded Harry Styles. And, you know, I, I just think for me, I'm more, I'm more interested in what the performers are wearing. Yeah, I don't I really just care. don't. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, fair. The run-through will be back in just a moment. Hey, I'm Molly Sims. And I'm Emma Shagormley. We are two best friends with one common obsession. Beauty. And by that, we mean everything that makes you look and feel beautiful. We tried it all and we've got your back. We'll be calling on all our favorite health experts, industry insiders, and friends to answer all your beauty questions. Consider us your beauty 411 and sometimes your 911. From how to fix brassy hair to the pros and cons of laser facials and always with a cocktail in hand. Always. So be prepared to be obsessed. Check out Lipstick on the Rim wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Maybe a chef-grade range made you want to hone your cooking skills or a high-tech tennis racket made you want to work on your backhand. I recently bought a new pair of running shoes and that made me love hitting the pavement again. Well, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Now that we have hit our hits and misses of Met Gala's past, we would like to talk to the true experts behind making sure that every Met is a hit. We have Raul Avila, Jesse Nichols, and Edie Kiernan Bunzel, the people who are really the station masters making sure the train gets in on time on the first Monday in May. <laughs> All right, team. Yes. Tell us oh, gosh. what the Met Gala is. Wait, so you, don't we need to do introductions? Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. We need to do introductions. Okay, go ahead. We're ready, though. Introductions. <laughs> okay. Edie, who are you? I'm Edie Kiernan Bunzel, and I used to work full-time at Vogue, but now I work as a consultant on the Met Gala in event production and fundraising, and I work very closely with my colleague, Jesse Nichols. Yes, I'm Jesse Nichols, and I'm the director of special events editorial for Vogue magazine. Very excited. And then here's Raul. I'm Raul Avila, and I'm in charge of the decor for the Megala since 2007. That's a long time, Raul. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. I love it. Wait, I want to hear about everyone's first Met Gala. Oh, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we're not, like, breaking the mold here. For sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. 
Okay, Raul, 2007, was that Poirier? Yes, Poirier. Okay. Poire. I honestly, when, when Anna called me and told me the team for that year, I, uh, I didn't know who he was. I say yes because I didn't want it to look like I know or whatever. But <laughs> and then I went home and I did my homework and everything. I realized that he was not just a fashion designer. He was also an interior decorator. Mm -hmm. And in that time, in the early 1900s, he was fascinated with bird cages. So to me, like every book that I saw about him, every print that I saw about him, everything, uh, fashion display from his clothing always was like a little birdcage on corner. So that's the idea of the birdcage for the Megala that year came okay, from. Okay, but if you, people aren't familiar, tell us what, because yeah. this was no little birdcage. Tell no. us what you're talking <laughs> oh, about. No. I'm talking about, <laughs> I made a little one be like 20 feet in diameter by 30 feet high. So it wow. was 20 feet diameter, 30 feet high. Yes. Just for, for people's reference, um, the center console at the Met Museum in the middle of the, the Great Hall, which is usually this sort of information kiosk, is mm -hmm. removed for the mm -hmm. Met Gala. Well, and actually, that, it's not removed. Oh, it's not removed? No, we cannot oh, remove it. Oh, you build around we it? We have to cover and build Oh, my gosh, I didn't structure. realize that. I'm glad you think it was removed, though. I know. Yeah. <laughs> you did a great no, job, Raul. that place is just there. That is, it's it a, can go, not go anywhere. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's always the site of Raul's most creative genius, is there's oh, usually okay. a great great center display that is very tied into and, and a great clue as to the theme and the mm -hmm. different themes within the exhibition that year. So Paul, right. Paul Poiret, there was this 30-foot-tall birdcage. Mm -hmm. And can you tell us um, a little <laughs> controversy that happened with some, <laughs> some peacock friends? Oh, I heard about this. <laughs> I heard about this recently. <laughs> it's one of my favorite well. Anna Winter stories. <laughs> <laughs> It was my first year, and I wanted to do something completely different. I don't know. I wanted to do something completely like no one's seen before. So the idea of the birdcage came out, and then, of course, I had to go through many, many, many meetings with the man for me to— What was it made out of? Steel. Okay. Wow. It needed to be made of steel. It needed to be safe. It needed to be secure. It needed to be heavy so it stays in place. Mm -hmm. And my other idea was to put uh, pickups inside. Real birds. Wow. But wow. I didn't know that I needed to hire a <laughs> professional handler to be able to do this. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> How many peacocks are we talking? Two. Two peacocks. I decided to do two because I want one white and one color. Okay, so you thought you could just put these peacocks in yeah. their area and, and just they leave just be They chilling. will be happier after. Okay. But it was not the case. <laughs> so, I mean, little did I knew then that... Um, for them to be able to open the tail, a female has to be around them. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Oh hilarious. So, they Wait, so in order for their, the big, colorful peacock tail to be displayed, yes. they need to be inspired. They need to be uh, yes. aroused. Peacocking. You may say. Oh, peacocking. <laughs> yeah. Look at him. All right. <laughs> so the handler came. I hired him. I went through many meetings with the man about the birds, blah, blah, blah. It was easier then because there was not a lot of craziness happened in the world. So we decided to do this. And then the morning of the event, 
And I always choose up like around 7, 7.30, just to be sure that everything looks fine. A.M. for a. everyone. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 7, 7 a.m. So she's like, okay, I'm coming in the morning to see everything. I said, okay. I was so nervous because, of <laughs> course, it was my first one. I knew Anna for a long time, so I really had a great relationship with her. I was no intimidated. I was just really happy to be working with her and everything. So I was waiting for her, and then the handler put the uh, female in, inside the cage, and she flew away. Up into the cage? No, outside the cage, into the galleries of the Met. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, we saw the, when I saw Wait, this... Which galleries are you talking about? Oh, Give us a visual. second floor with tapestries. <laughs> oh I mean, it's oh like... I, I honestly thought that my job was done. And like, I <laughs> will never see myself doing this ever again. This was my so first and my last. So who's chasing this female peacock? Security from the Met. Oh <laughs> Not Anna not it. I imagine Manolo's like, just waiting. I was just like, I couldn't move because I was like, oh my God, like, I was just so scared. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what Did to say. Did she have an accident on any tapestries? No, of course. As soon as she got in, they opened the tails and it was just beautiful. Wow. Yeah. So, and then Anna and I, we just started laughing. I mean, she found it very funny. And I was like, oh my God, thank God she's laughing. <laughs> Wait, but Toro, I have a question because I'm imagining Anna at 7 a.m. showing up with her Starbucks yes. and her glasses on. And <laughs> what's really. happening at the Met at 7 a.m.? Well, you know, we've been working since the day before. All You've night been long. doing an all nighter. Oh, yeah. yeah. And our. Are flowers in buckets at that point? Or are they already no, as, as arranged? No, uh, by that point, we're practically done. Oh, uh, wow. Like at 7, from 7 to 1, is about just cleaning and being sure that everything was perfect. Organizing. Because don't you need things to be, Oh, no, no one sees it for the press preview. No. Right, okay. No one sees it except for Anna and her team. Okay, so basically team. you're almost done after pulling an all-nighter. You're like a baker. Yeah. <laughs> like the bread is basically yeah. cooked. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, like now, I don't really sleep since Saturday. I'm up, wow. I'm up because it's not that I don't have the time to sleep. It's just there's so much in my mind and there's so much to deal with and so many people to tell them what to do when moving here, moving there. And we're working in the Met, which is a museum, and the regulations about what to do and what not, they're really severe. So we have to really be on top of our game and be sure that everything runs smoothly. There's no room to make mistakes whatsoever. But when do you start concepting it? Like, oh, right after the first one. Yeah. After oh, the last one. My goodness. So let's, let's say it's on May 1st. The by first June, Tuesday in May. By yeah. June. <laughs> by June, I so think So do you take a vacation it. after the Met? I go home to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than any vacation. Wow. So yeah. do you guys know how many exhibition themes out are you aware of so far? Mm. Like, are you already thinking about... 2024, obviously. Definitely. Definitely. Edie, what was your first met? My first met was 2007 also, actually. I was working as an intern. (laughs) And someone, I mean, it's very... How old were you? uh, Oh, gosh. Maybe 20? uh, Maybe a teenager. And uh, someone forgot their keys. (laughs) So I, you know dropped off some keys and, you know, helped with some very, very menial tasks. But it was definitely the most exciting night of my life. When did you start working on it from an events perspective? And um, Well, in 2010, then I started as Anna Winter's assistant and would help the events team. And then I think it was 2013 uh, for Punk, Chaos to Couture, that oh, I, I actually moved one. into the events mm. department. That one was a big gala. That was mm. 820 people. Oh, oh wow. What? Which is just <laughs> what is this enormous? guest list? Well, it's funny. After the pandemic, we mm-hmm. shifted to 
closer to 400 guests. And we ended up feeling it was just a better experience for everyone. So we're mm-hmm. sticking with 400, you know, maybe up a little bit Intimate. from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I think yeah. some people get so swept up in the glamour of the red carpet, which is so exciting. Yeah. But at the end of the day, at the beginning of the day, the event is a fundraiser to support the Metropolitan Museum of Art uh, and its Costume Institute, which the Costume Institute, you may know, is a this incredible treasure trove of 30,000 fashion objects. And it spans seven centuries. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. And it's all housed in the Anna Winter Costume Center. So at the end of the day, we want to make sure we're raising the funds Definitely. we need. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I just I think that what a lot of people don't grasp is that the Costume Center uniquely at the museum, it's exclusively funded by this event. Yes. It does not receive funds from the rest of the museum. Right. So they- Since Anna took the helm, she's raised hundreds of millions yeah. of dollars yeah. from the museum. Right. But last year, we raised, just with tickets and table sales, we raised a record-breaking $17.4 million. $17.4 million. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. And then it's additionally <laughs> many millions more through sponsorship. Jesse. <laughs> yes. When was your first met and what was your experience like? Ooh. It was tricky because I joined the events team in 2020, which is when we had to cancel the Met oh due to goodness. the pandemic. So, <laughs> what a start. Yeah, that was so much fun. <laughs> Originally, I heard the Met was in November. Was that right? I believe so. Yeah. The first, yeah. Yeah, the first was, was actually de- in December oh, in wow. 1948. It was yeah. started by Eleanor oh, wow. Lambert, who was a fashion publicist. She actually started New York Fashion Week also. But she hosted a midnight supper in December, um, and she billed it the party of the year. And then in the early 1970s, Diana Vreeland had actually just left her post uh, as editor of Vogue, and she took on a consultant role with the Costume Institute. So she moved to the event to the museum, and she started doing themes for the gala every year based on the exhibition. And then in 1995, Mr. and Mrs. De Laurenta had been working as trustees of the museum, and they tapped our boss, Anna Winter, uh, mm. to take the helm. Anna revolutionized it. She, mm. yeah. First of all, she changed it, the date, yeah. to the first yeah. Monday in May, which is what it still is today. And she created the guest list to be um, a reflection of the best of, obviously, fashion, but film and tech and sports and music. And she brought on Raul to see his incredible installations come to life. I think everyone has such curiosity about how the invitations work. And just in whatever vague way you can, can you just explain to people, can anyone buy a ticket to the Met Gala? Mm. Does everyone pay for their tickets? Or is it sold individually or by table? We have a number of typically brands and a few individuals who've been so supportive over the years. And that's always a challenge, too, as the numbers are reducing. We're trying to be really thoughtful about honoring the people who've, who've given because it's very much a process of building trust. You can't just come in and, and just make a large donation and attend. But typically the brands will host either a table or buy tickets, um, and then they'll propose. We don't have many executives at the event. We have some incredible business leaders, but it's really a celebration of creative talent as well. Um, and it's not the kind of thing where a celebrity will come with a bunch of handlers and um, an entourage, uh, which I think makes for a much more yeah, fun Yeah, it's, it's so much more intimate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, who's getting a pl- They're not getting a plus one. Yeah. <laughs> and when does that process start? When do you start kind of working out, curating the, the kind of... <sighs> A table. Yeah, September. Wow, Wow. it's quite far out. It is, yeah. Yeah, I would say it really gets kicking in December, January, Mm -hmm. but initial conversations are sort of percolating in September. I'm just curious about, like, the fires that come up. And what are, like, what are the most challenging parts of planning? 
We're working in a museum, and, and the challenge for us is that there's so much art everywhere. Mm. And I have, you know, almost, well, I can say the quantities, but I have a lot of people working through the night. And, you know, we work in, you know, 20, 24 hours a day, you're tired, you know, so I always tell people just be, be very, very careful with everything. Look around you where you're walking, where you're going, because, you know, accident happens and the last thing I want is something to get broken or damaged. So the challenges for us is just really crazy because of the museum and also they watching us like, I mean, like they watching every movement that we do. <laughs> well, and there's some things that maybe you wouldn't you know, laymen like us wouldn't think of, like, yeah. h- give us an example of how many flowers you're bringing in on a mm-hmm. typical Well, let me, let me do something. Yeah, let's so do it by before, the numbers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Before, before flowers, we used to bring live trees. Right. Which Live trees. Yeah, which what? they have roots and everything. <laughs> oh and they realized that, no, you cannot bring live elements like that into the museum because little things come out of the roots and work their way that to places sense. where they need to go or things like that. But we, of course, we get in from the greenhouse. They're in the greenhouse for months. We, you know, spray every chemical we can without <laughs> killing the tree. So be able to be safe to go to the night. But even with that, it was always a problem. Well, the, and I know that you've had to inspect every individual flower yes. to make sure there's not a bug that could exactly. potentially exactly. harm. Yeah. Wow. There was uh, one, and we're talking... <clears throat> 250,000 flowers? Uh, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just add that Chloe used to be used to guest edit the Met special edition. You did so a she, Met special issue every, every oh, year. Yes. So, so Chloe, Chloe knows all this back to front. 3 a.m. I remember that. But I've, I read if those numbers come from your mind or not mine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when you were talking about the fires that come up, I feel like every year there's a call we get. That's usually right around this time, and it's something so just crazy where we're like, okay, we have to find a way to make this work, but what are we going to do with this? And one year, it was actually 2019 when we were celebrating camp, we got a call from Sophie Paper, a colleague who works with us, mm-hmm. um, who's wonderful, and she said, all right, just bear with me. Jeremy Scott is designing a chandelier for Katy oh, Perry to wear. <laughs> it weighs 50 pounds. And it's 48 inches wide. Oh so we need to find out how wide the museum doors are. Oh, my God. Because oh my it's God. probably not even going to fit inside <laughs> the freaking doors of the I museum. Mean, no going to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. Forget no. about it. Um, fortunately, she had a cheeseburger that she could change oh into. I afterwards. do remember this very clearly. <laughs> but uh, we, the, so the museum had to doors. Go, you had some poor museum employee had to go with a tape measure. Yes, and the museum doors are fifty inches wide, good which know. was good because I think the chandelier was actually forty-eight and a half inches. So, so she had to. So she had to. Yeah. Yeah. She, she could shimmy in. Oh, and oh do a my change. gosh! But there's always something like that, and we have not gotten the call this year. Knock on wood. But no. I'm. We're yes. waiting well, for. I remember there was um, a, a very dramatic call. I don't remember what year uh, re- regarding the invitations. Oh yes. <laughs> oh, God, Could you just tell me a little that? bit about that? We're, I feel like it was like they all blend together. So that must have been 2015 or 16. Okay, that sounds about right. Uh, gosh. <laughs> Talk about lessons learned. Um, <laughs> the invitation standout is a very lengthy, involved process and takes the span of a few days. And over the course of a few days, we had not labeled them properly while we were storing them overnight, and they got thrown away. (laughs) And these are extremely expensive. They take weeks to produce. So the invitations, they're beautiful. 
printed, letter-pressed um, invites. They're all in cardboard boxes that right. were mistaken for trash right. by housekeeping. Right. Oh, no. And we had, to be fair, I think we had not labeled them properly. And we ended up having to send someone to the New York City town dump to try and, you know, Dig through, <laughs> and the, and I did not know that. It Maybe. was a, a a young woman named Lindsay, and she was a very good sport. She oh my god, Lindsay! Cute, I love um, Lindsay. Petite blonde woman who, like Melanie Griffith, took the ferry to Staten Island <laughs> to the dump and had to stand with a hard hat looking into the dump, saying, uh, "Where are my invitations?" Oh, and guess what? We were not successful. No, needle in a haystack. Yeah. It was a really good sport. But wow. Again, lessons learned. Every year we're Never reminded again. of that story. Yep. And we label it. I know, it I just huge. walked by them yeah. last week and I was like, <laughs> Yes, either keep the box open yeah, or put a very large PTSD. sign. Yes, <laughs> exactly. That is wild. What are some of your favorite moments? Like, I feel like once dinner starts, you can sort of breathe a sigh of relief mm-hmm. a little bit. Can you? I'm going to Totally. Sure yeah. <laughs> and then there's the musical performance. Like, what are some of your favorite moments to look forward to of the night? My favorite is <laughs> seeing the uh, faces of everybody who's invited when they walk into mm. the great hall. Oh, like when I, people walk in and their jabs drop on the floor and they're like, the excitement, uh, that makes me very, very happy. Mm. <laughs> I think the performance is always fun for me. Favorite performance. Heavenly yeah. Bodies. Oh, same. Oh, same. So much was fun. Madonna? Madonna. Yeah. Madonna. Coming down the steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I almost died. <laughs> it was so cool. And, and the at monks the time, first. Yes. Oh. At the time, I was Anna's assistant, so I was just standing, like, front row, just, like, <laughs> cheesing so hard. And I was like, Jesse, act like you've been somewhere before. <laughs> you work at Vogue, girl. Wait, I feel like we didn't talk about how the seating chart comes to be, because that's Oh, Edie's own. the mastermind <laughs> there. Oh, yeah. That's Edie's. Uh, Actually, <laughs> we were just talking about it because Sasha in our on our team is so brilliant at knowing everyone's former flames. Oh, which, that's, oh that's so She was just saying, that's what's so a good point to highlight some of the exes? And we're yeah. like, Sasha, please, tell us immediately. We need to know. <laughs> oh my God, I'm going to go to her as a resource. I'm, I'm yeah. like, oh, oh, she's that. really good at oh, it. Oh, my gosh. Within the week. It goes beyond Selena and Haley. Oh, my gosh. It's <laughs> 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 no, there's there are certain gentlemen in the room where I'm thinking, gosh, you've dated gentlemen. quite a lot. Of- Tell us a little bit about your your board, your master plan. The board. So the board uh, is quite enormous. It's probably it would take up half, of the half wall. this wall. It's a poster yeah, exactly. board. Yeah. It's a poster board, um, really tough poster board. Is it what I saw upstairs in the in Absolutely. the conference room? Probably. You didn't see anything, Chama. I didn't yeah. see anything. It was turned around. Chama, I wasn't to kill peeking, you. but I, didn't, I was like, that is a big board to have in a small conference well, room. Well, it always makes me laugh because towards the end, we'll be bringing the board through the museum. And there's a poster note meetings. saying, do not enter, right? Yes. I think yeah. something like that. We'll anyway, be, I, yeah. I have noticed. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be bringing the board through the museum, but it, we cover it, you know, in some sort of chic uh, cloth. And <laughs> the guards will always stop us to check underneath. And I we realized, ultimately, it looks like we're stealing a painting or something. <laughs> like, oh, that is so funny. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. no, oh, just hilarious. the seating chart. Well, guys, thank you this so, so much. Thank you so we're much. Really, um, yeah. Our prayers are with you. The next thing uh, yeah. we'll take Thinking of you. Month out. Thank you. <laughs> be was, be Power was through. Book a massage you. now. That would be my smart. Advice. Exactly. Yeah. That's it for this episode of the Run Through. The Run Through of Vogue is a production of Condé Nast Entertainment. The show is produced by Susie Lechtenberg and Chelsea Daniel. It's engineered by Jake Loomis and Gabe Kiroga, and mixed by Mike Kutchman.
Hi, we're Carlene and Jill, hosts of Breaking Beauty Podcast, the show all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. On our show, you're going to find hella inspiring guests like Emily Weiss of Glossier, and you'll get beauty tips galore from the top pros in the industry, like Kim Kardashian's makeup guru, and you'll hear skincare secrets from the likes of Dr. Pimple Popper. Plus, you'll get shopping help with our Damn Goods episodes, where we review the latest products hitting store shelves to let you know what's actually worth your money. Listen every Wednesday to Breaking Beauty Podcast. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com.